Uh, we're going to have our second Bible reading now uh, from one of my favourite books, just to put it out there. Um, but Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 to 17. Uh, and in this Bible, it's on page 1156. It might be different. From verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know that those from whom you have learnt it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped every good work. Thank you. Well, we're right in the middle of our series on the heartbeat of our church. I do hope and have been praying that you have been seeing the importance of why our heartbeat must reflect the values that we share and so we're up to this one tonight um, let's pray once again let's turn to God in prayer Heavenly Father we thank you that you are speaking God who continues to speak to us your words of life and words that change and we pray Lord that you'll help us respond rightly to what you have s- spoken to us and we pray this in Jesus name Amen well it's true that we live in a world with so much information we're saturated by information all over the place you turn on the radio you listen you learn you watch the tv you listen you you learn you 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 surf the internet you you get so much information and almost everyone has advice on almost every topic but with so many voices out there so many opinions so many advices how do you decide what to believe how do you decide what not to believe how do you decipher what is wise and what is not wise how do you work out what is true and what is not true and so the question I want you to think about tonight is who do you ultimately listen to do you listen to your parents just because they're your parents do you listen to your teacher your lecturer your boss do you listen to your pastor just because he's your pastor who do you ultimately listen to? So we hear information all the time, but some information, they're, they're in fact not true. Such as, when I was young, I was told many things by my parents. One of those was, don't sit too close to the TV, otherwise it will wreck your eyes and you'll end up wearing glasses like all the others. I've got 20-20 vision, didn't happen to me, not true. Or, swallow a watermelon seed and you'll grow a watermelon inside your tummy. Anyone heard that before? Threatened with that by your parents? I do that now with my kids, but it's not true. Kids, close your ears. Or, pull out a grey hair and more will grow in its place. Heard that one? If I try that now with my hair, my head of hair, I'll end up looking a bit more bold, a bit like my assistant but anyway that's not too bad (laughs) but of course they're just old wives tales doesn't really matter if you believe it 
quite harmless. But we know that there are information that people believe that are not so harmless, but in fact quite dangerous if you believe the wrong things. That there is information about the big questions of life, such as what are we to believe about humanity? If we believe like what we're told by the world, by the media, by the science books, that we're just highly evolved animals, then you'll live a very different life and you'll treat people very differently to one who will believe that we all have inherent worth and dignity just because we're human beings. We're not like the animals. Or what are we to believe to be our purpose in life? If we believe, like what the world tells us, that our life is all about seeking our own fulfilment, our own contentment, our own happiness, our own satisfaction, then you'll live a very different life to one who believes there is a greater purpose and there is a greater person we are to live for. Or what are we to believe about death and what happens after death, after we die? Well, if you believe that we just rot away in the ground and we get eaten by the worms and we just completely disappear, then you'll live a very, very different life to one who believes that there will be a day of reckoning. And so who do you listen to? With so many voices, opinions, advices, information, who do you choose to listen to ultimately? Who do you listen to and just stake your life on it? You see, in our first reading, we see there, if we choose to listen to only what our itching ears want to hear, it's very common, very easy to only want to listen what is easy listening, to what is comfortable, what is easy, what is not confronting or challenging. I just want to listen to what makes me feel good. Pop psychology, platitudes, wishful thinking, then that's not only not harmless, it is in fact very, very dangerous if we believe it because it is ultimately about our eternal destiny. This coming Tuesday, I'll have to conduct a funeral in this place. I'm not sure how many funerals you've been to. I've been to quite a number. But I wonder whether you've been to any funerals where what is spoken up front by family members is just all littered with mere human opinions. What people think will happen about the deceased and it's just mere wishful thinking. Just so that those who are around, who are left behind, are made to feel more comfortable and more bearable with what has happened. But don't you want, at that point, especially at funerals, but not only at funerals, all the time in our whole life, not to only hear me opinions, pop psychology, the stuff you get from magazines, women's monthly, weekly, whatever it is, but the truth, to hear the truth, the truth about what we are to believe about each other, about gender, about marriage, about our purpose in this world, about what will really happen after we die. You see, if we rely merely on what people say, we end up staking our life on what people merely say and think. And that is dangerous. 
If I rely on what you think and you rely on only what I think, that is dangerous. But let's imagine that there is a voice outside of your mind and my mind, a voice that comes outside of our world to us that speaks of the truth all the time that God himself speaks. Well, that's what we have, and that's what we believe. God speaks, and we get to hear truth from his mouth. And if God has spoken, we can stake our life on what God says and what God determines and on what you think or what I think. And you know what? In our Bibles, that is what we have. We have the very words of God recorded in Scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament, 66 books. They are the words of God to us and for us. It is why we're doing this series and this talk at this time. It is why as a church, all we believe, all we do, how we live, how we shape our lives, how we shape this church, how we shape all our ministries, needs to be grounded in word-centered teaching. It has to be, because it means that we're not relying on human opinions, but we're relying on what God has to say. And so when we meet here each week at church, when our kids join in creche and kids' church in the morning, when the youth meet on Friday nights, when we join in our growth groups in the various homes throughout the week, we are here not to listen to my opinion. You don't want that. You do not want to listen to my opinion. We are here to listen to God himself speak. And that is why, as a church, we uphold the word of God as the ultimate authority in life and doctrine. The ultimate authority. We want to listen to God. And that's why as a church, we are grounded in word-centered teaching. All things grounded in the word of God. Because they are nothing less than the word of God to us. And what we see here now, I want you to keep your Bibles open to 2 Timothy chapter 3. What we see here is the Bible is described as God-breathed. God breathed it out. God inspired the words we have in the Bible. And it's not as though here the, the biblical authors simply recorded down what was dictated to them by God. But God used them in their personalities, in their context, in history, to speak God's words to us, to record down God's word to us, to tell us all we need to know from the beginning to the end, from the laments of the Psalms to the declaration of the prophets, from the stories of the forefathers to the evangelism of the apostles, from the prophecies of the Old Testament to all its fulfillment in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, from the pits of hell to the glories of heaven. God speaks and reveals all things we need to know to us. And that's why we read here. Look at verse 16 with me. What do you see there in your Bible? Some scripture is God-breathed. Is that what you see? A bit of scripture is God-breathed. The parts of scripture that I like is God-breathed. Is that what you see? Verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed. The whole thing, the whole lot, it is all. You can't pick and choose. There's a flavor of Christianity, and it's hard to 
call them Christians, but a flavor of Christianity that likes to pick and choose the parts of Scripture that I want to believe and the parts I can discard. You know, I like the bit about Jesus speaking about love and meekness and gentleness, but I don't like it when he speaks about judgment and hell. You can't do that. You can't pick and choose. Or I like the bit about how he speaks, how husbands are to be, but I don't really like the bit about how wives are to be. Or I like the bit about how God forgives us and God continues to forgive us, but I don't really like the bit where God commands us to forgive others. You can't pick and choose. Or I like the bit about being made in the image of God, of God's dignity as a human being. But I don't like the bit about God's design for human sexuality. I want to make that up. Or I like the bit about living for God, but I don't like the bit about carrying the cross. You see, you can't pick it and choose. All scriptures God breathed, not part of it, not some of it. You take it all or none at all. And that is why, if you've been at our church for a while, or even if you're new and recent with us, you'll notice a few things. You'll notice that in our church, we will always have the Bible read when we meet. Always. It will be strange for us to meet and we'll sing and have a sermon and pray, but not open up the Word of God. We will always have the Word of God open. And that's because they're not merely words on a page, but we are hearing God speak to us. And so in one sense, it is the reading of Scripture when we meet that's perhaps the most important part, not the sermon. And it is also why, as a pattern in our church, in our preaching, we are committed to expository preaching. What that means is that we are committed to expounding what God has to say, revealing, exposing what God has recorded down for us. It is called expository preaching. And that is why, if you've been with us for a while, for the bulk of the year, we'll be working book by book, chapter by chapter, and often verse by verse. We want to see what God has to say, and we don't tend to pick and choose verses we like and put it all together to make it into a sermon. We want to hear what God has to say. And we, we have sermons from the different parts of Scripture as well. As a pattern for our church, for, for many years now, we have uh, a gospel each year. We'll reflect on a gospel. We'll reflect on an epistle, one of the letters, an Old Testament book each year, and also a topical or doctrinal series each year. And that's because we want to teach from the whole counsel of God, all the different genres. And you'll also notice... It is why, as a pattern in our church, we are always encouraged, and you are always encouraged by me, to listen to talks with your Bibles open. So I'm just looking to see how many Bibles are open now. To listen with the Bibles open. And so here's the encouragement. For those of you who have Bibles, and I'm sure many of you have many Bibles at home, have it as a pattern to bring your own Bibles on Sunday and leave the pew Bibles for visitors. Bring your own Bibles Keep it open, especially during the sermon, because what you're listening to is not just me speaking. You want to look down and see, well, this is in fact what God is teaching. And so do you see how the Word of God, all of it is God-breathed. Not only the comfortable parts, but all of Scripture breathed out by God to us and for us. But what is it for? What is the word of God breathe out for. 
Well, we'll see two things in this passage. The first one is, it is for our salvation. It is so that we can be saved. It is a life-giving word. And the second thing we see in this passage is, it is for our life. It is a life-changing word, how we are to live, what we believe and how we are to live. You see, the only way anyone can know anything about God at all is not just to go to the mountains and meditate and explore. It's not to just look up to the sky and hope and think and pray. The only way we can know anything accurate about God the only way we can know anything about the glories and majesty of heaven, the only way we can know anything about the fiery furnace and torment of hell, the only way we can know anything about the hope and joy of salvation and the inheritance of eternal life is because, not from the media, not from your mouth or my mouth, but because God has told us. And it's why the Apostle Paul in this passage, he was so encouraged to hear how Timothy was brought up. He was brought up with Scripture. He knew the Scripture, he believed the Scripture, and it made him wise for salvation. Look at verses 14 to 15 with me now. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learnt it, and how from infancy... You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Scripture teaches us how we can be saved in the first place. It's why it's so important in all our ministries. It is based on word-centered teaching. Our crash, our kids, our youth, our growth groups, our gatherings here, our ministries, our outreach, all grounded in the Word of God. But of course it doesn't begin at church. For those of you who are parents here, it begins at home. Even the memory text for this month, I'm going to make it a thing for my family that I get my kids to memorise it and we recite it each morning. And so this month, what is it? Proverbs chapter 3. This is very good. I'm impressed. And so I wanted to test out my kids the other week. And so in the morning, driving them to school, I wanted to check if they knew it. And so I said, what's the memory text? And they said, in fact, they, they've learnt it already in kids' church many years ago, and they still remember it, and partly because of the Colin Buchanan song. And so I was, in fact, quite surprised. But what is the verse? Because if they not only memorise it, but believe it, and they grow up with it, it is able to make them wise for salvation. What is it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why? Trust completely all your heart, not some of your heart. And then lean not on your own understanding. That's right, you're not that wise. You're not that bright. You're not that brilliant. Lean not on your own understanding. Instead, what are we to do? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Excellent. Now, our kids, they've learned it from kids' church. Um, all the children in our church are learning it at the moment in our memory text. Wouldn't it be so wonderful, not just our kids here, but you, 
50 years later, when you're 120, some of you, 50 years later, you still remember that verse, that passage, and it's able to make you wise for salvation. And so Timothy, he grew up with Scripture and he believed it. You see, without the Word of God, there is no way at all at being saved. No way of being saved without the Scriptures to tell me that there is a God and there is a God who loves me and made me in his image. I'll still be walking in the dark, wondering if there is a God and believing that I'm here by accident, that I'm just another animal. How sad would that be without Scripture? Without the Scriptures to tell me that I'm a wretched sinner and that I have lived a life and have offended God Almighty. Without Scriptures to tell me that, then I'll be living this life thinking that I can, I'm self-determining. I'm a decent human being and I've got no one to answer to. How dangerous that would be. Without the Scriptures to tell me that the only way for a sinner to be saved is for a saviour to die. Without Scripture to tell me that, then I'll still be living, believing that it is my own efforts, my good deeds that will get me to heaven. How hopeless that would be. Without the Scriptures to tell me that God's forgiveness is full and complete in Jesus Christ, then I'll still be living this life unable to cope with my past regrets and sins and shame and burdened by the past. How paralyzing would that be? And without the scriptures to assure me with absolute confidence of eternal life and the kingdom of God to come, then I'll be living this life like this is all there is. I'll invest all of my life only in this life, only to find in the end I have wasted it all away. And how pathetic would that be? Without the scriptures to tell me that God has in his kindness adopted me into his eternal heavenly family as his child, with Jesus as my older brother, God as my father in heaven, and the Holy Spirit who dwells within me. Without the scripture to tell me that, then I will not know anything. I will not know whom I belong to ultimately. And how lonely would that be? You see, all scripture is breathed out by God. It is a life-giving word for our salvation. Next we see in this passage, it is also breathed out as a life-changing word for our life, that we might be conformed into the likeness of Christ. You see, how else will we know how to live amongst each other? How else will we know how to flourish as a disciple of Jesus Christ? How else are we to know how, how are we meant to live as men and women and, and husbands and wives and sons and daughters and fathers and mothers? How are we to know without Scripture to tell us? Or how are we to know how we're to live in the face of loss and disappointments and setbacks and failures and defeats? And how are we to live when we experience pain and suffering and heartbreak and opposition and evil and wickedness. That's why the word of God is so important. In fact, we're told here it is profitable. It is useful 
it is beneficial. Look at verses 16 and 17. Once again, looking at our, at our Bible. All scripture is breathed, is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so if you are there thinking, how can I live a, a useful, productive life, a good life? You go to the word of God. How can I live a life where it's filled with good works, things uh, that will make a difference for good? You, you turn to the word of God. And so for those of you here who believe that, who believe in the word of God, then the question is, do you submit to it? If these are the words of God, do you submit to it? Because when we read scripture, we're told here, it is God teaching us. God teaches us we are to love God and our neighbor unconditionally. We're to treat people with dignity. God is also rebuking us when we read scripture. He rebukes us and it's often, in, in fact, it is always uncomfortable when God reveals a fault and a sin in us. You can't go on envying. You can't go on hating and gossiping and being selfish and being harsh and cruel. You can't. The scripture rebukes us. It is also God correcting us. Our life needs to show the fruit of the Spirit. We have to change and grow. God corrects us. It is also God training us in all your anxieties that you feel, all the worries that you experience. God is training, lean on him, not on yourself. In all your suffering and hardships, you are to remember and be trained that that is to produce perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. You see, the word of God is breathed out as a life-changing word for our good. It saves us and it changes us. It is profitable. And so I asked you before, do you submit to it? But more than only submitting to it, do you yourself teach it? And so I was just reflecting just before this service, in fact, how many of you are involved in engaging with the Word of God so that you might teach it? How many of you are involved in teaching little children, in youth group, in growth groups, in your discipleship one-to-one, -one, opening up the Word of God, in your own personal devotion? I mean, I was reflecting on that. I was filled with gratitude for how many of you are investing, engaging, submitting, and teaching the Word of God because it is profitable. And so my question at the beginning. With so many voices out in the world saturated with information, who do you listen to? Well, for us, we listen to God. We listen to God because his word to us is supreme and sufficient. Two important words to know about the word of God. Supreme and sufficient. Very important words. And when we understand scripture that way, it gives you so much confidence and boldness and reassurance about salvation and about life. It is the word that nourishes us keeps us going, living as disciples of Jesus. 
It is the daily food we need, the spiritual food we need, so that we can stand strong and firm in a world that stands against our God. It is the strength that will help us to persevere in all of life's struggles and trials. Where do we turn to? We turn to God's word for strength. It is the unshakable truth in a sea of lies. It is the truth that stands. It is the words of eternal life. And so it has to be, and it is the heartbeat of our church. And we stake our lives not on what people think, but on what God has to say. And so two very important words. It is supreme. So let's reflect on that for a moment. The word of God is supreme, which means there is no higher authority in heaven or on earth than the word of God, simply because they are the words of God. Nothing trumps it. It's a bit like that the word of God, because they are spoken by God, they carry the authority of God. So it's a bit like in my household. You see, what I say in my household to my family carries my authority. And so once in a while, I'll have to call my children, go clean up your room. Clean up that mess. Do it. And do you know what they often would say? Why? And how should I respond to them? Do I think about a good reason to tell them? I thought it was pretty obvious. I say, because I am your father. You listen. You see, my word carries my authority. It's meant to anyway. But here we're not talking about just a household. We're talking about the entire universe. The words of God carries the authority of God. Therefore, it is supreme. Nothing trumps it. And so what does that mean? What it means is it applies in all of life. If parts of Scripture does not make sense to my rational, logical, scientific mind, you read of the miracles, oh, it just can't happen scientifically. You read about the resurrection, the dead do not come back to life. You read about God's design and intention for marriage, one man, one woman, all the time for life. It, it might not make sense to our rational minds or the rational mind of our world today. But if God's word is supreme, do I stake my life on my reason or your reason or the reason of this world or do I stake my life on what God has to say? Well, I stake my life on what God has to say even if it is beyond our rational understanding. Or if God says, I love you, I cherish you so much that I would even sacrifice my own son for you. And I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel that love. I feel so distant from God. And, and it's because I'm in a difficult season of life. But you see, if God's word is supreme... Do I stake my life on what I feel? Or do I stake my life on what God says and teaches? Well, I stake my life on what God says. If he says he loves me, he loves me. My feeling does not change that. Or if God says your identity, your worth, your value is that you belong to me as my child. And I just don't feel like I belong to anyone. I live a life feeling isolated worthless, unwanted. But if the word of God is supreme, 
Do I stake my life on my feelings, my circumstances, or do I stake it on what God has to say? I stake it on what God has to say. I remain a child of God because he says so. Even today, Yvonne and myself were to visit someone in hospital this afternoon, and this person's going through an extremely, extremely rough patch in life. Very difficult. Her feelings, her thinking was all over the place. But if God's word supreme, we shared with her, God will never forsake you. Jesus was forsaken so that you'll never be forsaken. Whether you feel it or think it or not, that remains true. Cling to that hope. Cling to that. Stake your life on what God has to say, not what you think or what you feel. You see, if God has spoken and they carry the, the authority of God, the word of God, they are indeed supreme and nothing trumps it. And we also see here, the word of God is also sufficient. And so if anyone says to you, you need more than the Bible to know more things about God, you need like the Book of Mormons, you need a new revelation so that you can grow as a Christian, so that you can get to heaven. God says, no, you don't. The Bible is sufficient. It is all we need to know about God. Well, yesterday an elder shared with me of a South African preacher who calls himself a prophet. He teaches you, you'll be blessed if you buy my oil that can be used for anointing. And he's a multi-millionaire. But God says, it won't. The Bible is sufficient. You've got all the blessings you need by being in Christ himself. If someone teaches, you need special signs from God to work out his will for you. You need to hear his voice, his inner promptings before you do anything to work out his will. Well, God says, no, you don't. Bible is sufficient. You have in there the wisdom of God. And so you see, the word of God is supreme. It is, so, it is sufficient. An important principle to always remember. I turn to the word of God. And so again, who do you listen to? Each day when you get ready for studies, for uni, for work, each struggle that, that appears to just overwhelm you, each bereavement you experience that brings you sorrow, each blessing you experience, each longing for more, for transcendence, who do you listen to? Well, we listen to God and what God has to say. And we stake our life on what God has to say. And that's why as our church, this, the word of God, must be the heartbeat of our church. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do praise you that in your kindness you did not turn your face away, but you have spoken to us, recorded in Scripture, about your Son, that we may know you and know of salvation. And so help us, Lord, give us the strength to always take hold of your promises in Scripture. Humble us as we turn to your word always, that we might submit to your word, for it is 
what is able to make us wise for salvation and for how we are to live a God-honoring life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.